0: Christ alone <clears throat> is, uh, is the theme of our church. It's good. Christ alone, cornerstone. And I love the, the, that uh, the theme of the message today uh, is to continue what we did last week. And that is uh, that we have been made strong in the Savior's love. All of us have. The, that is what makes us strong. We have come to know God by experience, we've expressed, experienced the love of God and he has changed us by the reality of his love. We know that and this is what, what makes us who we are. But it's the cornerstone. And in the text where that verse is used, where Christ is, is labeled as the cornerstone, he says upon that, that cornerstone, which is an offense to those who don't believe, he builds his church. And this is where we are. <laughs> We're at a place of, again, asking God about uh, or following God's, God's leadership uh, to continue to build his church and his church's people. I was thinking this past week as I went to pick up some chairs from a, another church that closed uh, in central Louisiana. Uh, they donated some chairs like these for the Colleen location. And I went to look at those chairs there was one fellow that was left in the church who was there representing them as a trustee and uh negotiating the the uh, transfer of these chairs and when I left the building i couldn't you know I thought man, this would be a great place for a gathering place church <laughs> you know, i can't look at a building that's that's gone empty without thinking, man, this is a great place for a gathering place church, but I also said that a few weeks ago when I was down in New Orleans and saw uh, uh, Ballin Street Baptist Church, this this beautiful ornate church in the middle of uptown. I I thought, you know, this would be a great place for a gathering place church. And it just kind of hit me, you know, uh, when Jake shared his testimony with us about how he was saved, there was a time when uh, he he was atheist and he had, you know, he had written off everything, everything related to God and especially any authority the church might have on his life. But he went to a funeral of a friend, I think it was, right? And he, and he saw the body. And, and it was the same body, but there was no life in it. And for a thinker like Jake, you know, that started spinning in his head. And that the life is not, the body is not the life. The physical body was just the house, right? It's just the, the place where the life dwelled for a little while. And that all kind of got into my head when I left that building. I've been thinking about that all week long, about how the life is what's in this, in this building. And I'm so excited that we are open to, as a congregation, first of all, to knowing God and, and ex- ex- experiencing the blessing of the love of God and allowing that you have allowed the love of God to change your heart and to transfer your way of thinking into uh, being one a, a person of grace and a person of abiding and pursuing the person of God instead of just dead religion. Because dead religion is what kills those buildings. It's what, what makes them empty. There is no life in dead religion. There's life in Christ. And when he's the cornerstone and we are... Uh, made strong by the, the actual love of Christ. That's what changes us and, and get, brings life. And that we could actually do a transplant in another location. Literally bring a, 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 one of our kidneys. You know, say, okay, here you go. Uh, and, and that another location, would, would another body, another building body in the physical sense, building would have life, and it, and it does. And last, last Sunday afternoon at 4 o'clock, uh, a few of us who felt called to go to this new location met, and I, all of a sudden, there was life in that building. You know, and, and I, I've walked through there with a number of people, Russ and I walked through it uh, 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 Daryl Stagg the DOM and I walked through it and the same response was there, it's just, man this is so sad that this building, that this church died and and the church did die I guess I mean I'm sure those believers are somewhere but then, but then the opposite response happened last Sunday night, Daryl was taking pictures of cars and Will and I ate lunch with him on Monday, the director of missions and he was showing us pictures, and he had names of people that he had written down from all the names of the people that were there Sunday afternoon. That's the life, and he sees that. You know, it's like there's, these, are, these are signs that there's life now in this building. And so, you know, that's what we have to give. It's the life, it's, it's, and it's going to take the same experience that it took for us to, to find the life of God in our own lives, to, to see the fruit of God, is that we have to teach people, we have to expand ourselves, we've got to think outside of ourselves, and so today we're going we're to continue to move forward in that as a challenge for the Gathering Place united all of us here, all of us there all of us there on Facebook today uh, this is our attempt to join God in preparing us for our immediate future, and so last week we looked at how God raised up the gathering place churches to number one counter what seems to be a pervasive teaching in our church culture, that being works-based religion. That in its that being a religion that in its best zealous efforts and they are very zealous are finding themselves to be the same place that Saul was found in his most zealous state for the church he ended up finding himself a persecutor of Christ and I just believe that's where we are and we we see that we have seen that as a church religion without personal a personal sanctifying savior who can be known by experience through obedience, leads to that, to zealousness for stuff, zealousness for good works, zealousness for achievements and success in man's eyes, but it leads to death in the church of God. Y'all with me? And so we saw that last week. and God showed us that. He also, uh, God raised up uh, raised us up to counter that and he also raised us up to counter the type of relig- this type of religion with the message of grace which is prolific in this place but it's almost void in this community, in this Christian in this religious, I should say culture. People don't understand grace and God raised us up to be able to speak this. We have clearly heard the message of grace. We understand it and John talked about that last week and about how significant the propitiation of Christ was for us. We, we know, we've heard clearly this message, not only of the grace for salvation, but of God's imputed righteousness. And we've embraced it. We've embraced God for it. It's the love of God that has transformed us when we see the reality of His grace, that He sees us as perfect, even though we are not God also, I believe, raised us up to counter this type of religion with the truth of an ever-present personal Savior who works and makes himself known to us. His Spirit lives in us and continues to reveal Jesus' character to us. God has called us to counter dead religion by giving us this idea to help us to understand the truth of the personal touch of God in our lives and how that relates to to obedience and so we've embraced that and and we need to be that but we have experienced all these things and as we continue today in the text John starts off first of all by just reviewing the things that he talked about last week using the language of abiding or the abiding parable that he shares that we know so well from the from his gospel look at it in first John chapter 2 and we'll pick up where we left off and is true and is no lie. Just as it has taught you. Abide in him. So as John encouraged the church to live in what they heard. Right? What you've heard from the beginning. Walk in these things. So that we might be in fellowship with one another. And also with the Father and Jesus Christ his son. I want to clearly pause during this significant moment in the, in the church. In our church. The gathering place. And say church live in what you've heard. Live in what you've heard. And you'll be blessed to continue to gain more and more knowledge about God. And a deeper and deeper love for God. And a stronger faith in the person who's guiding, guiding your steps. Live in what you've heard. That might sound crazy for me to say that. Because that's, what, that's how we define who we are. But are we doing it? I mean the testimony of many of us over the past years has been, I just can't find time to to live in what what I've heard, to abide in Christ, to to pursue the person of Christ, to experience the fruit that comes from that. It is a knowledge of God by experience that Jesus said he would manifest himself to us. And So I'll, I'll say it again today before we move forward from this to what the fruit will be of that. Let's understand, again, that we need to walk, live in what we've heard. John understood that they understood the truths. He said that, but he was encouraging them, live in what you've heard. Then at the close of our text and message last week, John gave us a challenge to add to our abiding, our understanding of abiding in grace. And it's the thing that should flow out of abiding, and we're going to see that today. It's loving others well. As we continue in the text today, we're going to learn uh, what John was saying because he talks about it in his gospel and also in the epistle. And then we're going to look at uh, what this looks like when we get it right. John describes it clearly to us, but let me come back to what the, the worship team led us in this morning before we move forward. The cornerstone is what we have. Christ the cornerstone. We've got that. We understand that. Live in it, right? We understand that he's the cornerstone of the church. And it's upon Christ that God will build his church. But now it's time to build his church. <laughs> you know, we need to go ahead and get some lumber because the foundation has been laid. And the lumber is the person that you work next to. The lumber is, is the people that you're in community with here. The lumber is those people outside yourself. The foundation is laid. Now we need to move forward. First of all, love will reveal to whom we belong. Look at what John says in chapter 3. Verses 10 through 11. By this it is evident who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. He connects those two. Practicing righteousness and loving his brother. For this is the message of... That you've heard from the beginning that we should love one another. So here's the message that we've heard from the beginning. And we're going to see that it's true. There's two types of evidence that we belong to God according to this passage. One is that we practice righteousness. Alright, that's the foundation. We, we live in obedience to Christ so that His fruit can be shown through our lives. We practice righteousness. Now we don't practice righteousness in the sense that uh, we understand the word practice. It's not like we are we have practiced that all of our lives. But we are practicing, we are living in obedience to Christ because it benefits us. And we have all seen the benefit of being in obedience to Christ, walking in obedience to Christ. But then the second thing, it's not just the righteousness that results, but it's, it is uh, that, that we love one another. It's time for us to to make a shift in our thinking outside of ourselves to the world around us. And John says the same thing uh, in the abiding passages in John chapter 15. You, You might remember this, but right after he gives us the abiding parable in John 15, this is what he says in verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments, and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So what commandments? Well, he mentions one right away. He says, this is my commandment, period, that you love one another as I have loved you. So, so Jesus is setting up a, precedence, a precedent here for us. He says, obey my commandments. Now, what we have done, most of us, if we have been walking in his commandments, we, we are pursuing in our best days. Y'all with me say, oh yeah. In our best days, we are pursuing the will of God for things in our lives. Most of the time, though, the kinds of things that we're pursuing God about are things like we're pursuing his, his, the obedience to his command regarding uh, purchases in our lives how we use our money how we raise our children how we respond in relationships to people and we're discovering that God is, uh, is an unending source of wisdom and, and love and personal, uh, personal intimacy with us he is that but Jesus is saying here is my commandment that you love one another that's outside of us that if he was to summarize all of what he's done foundationally in us to reveal himself to us, it's so that ultimately we will see in the people around us a need for what we have. That, that we wouldn't, wouldn't sit there with our ice cream cone licking it and enjoying it in the face of a bunch of children who have never had ice cream or are desiring it. That we, we wouldn't just hoard the things that God's given us, the beauty of who he is, sitting with the knowledge of grace, being, having been released from the bondage of legalism, having that heavy weight and those chains being take, have, having been taken off of us in the face of people who are still in bondage and not loose their chains. Y'all with me? It's time. Jesus said, this is it. Like ultimately what he did is he built a foundation in us so that we would... Give it to other people. So that in response to the beauty of who God is, and this week God just continued to pour out verses about who he is to me, and I just felt this love of God and the, the embrace of God and the personal touch of God and the acceptance of God and the, the, the removal of my sins from me from God, that God does. All of those beautiful things that, that we know about God, the world doesn't know that. The church in our area doesn't know that. The culture around us screams, works, works, works and people are walking around every day with this heavy load, this burden and, we are, and, and Jesus is saying to his disciples in these closing moments of his life that this will make your joy complete if you will if obey all the way to the point of pouring into somebody else. Taking the risk and sharing the truth that you have with someone else. Taking the risk and investing in a relationship with somebody else. Jesus made that clear that this is the commandment that you love one another. He also told them earlier that night in chapter 13, uh, which was just a few minutes earlier. uh, He told them in chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, that this is what would set them apart from the rest of the world. And by the rest of the world, by the way, he meant the rest of the religious world. This is what will set you apart from religious people. When he talks about the world, he talks about those who are following the law. In John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, he says, A new commandment I give to you. That should sound familiar if you were here last week. It's an old command, but it's a new command. That you love one another. How? Just as I have loved you, so you are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another, God wants TGP churches to clearly understand that new birth, yes, includes abiding in God's Word, abiding in the Holy Spirit, being obedient to the moment by moment promptings of the Holy Spirit as we're in the Word and applying the Word. But also, He wants us to know that eventually, if not immediately, it's going to produce love. And not just love, but the kind of love that Jesus describes here. He says it's a new commandment because what I'm telling you is I want you to love as I have loved you. And we're going to talk about that again in just a minute because first, in 1 first John, John brings that up in his epistle and makes it very clear that not everybody can do this kind of love. But he's talking about selfless love. He's talking about sacrificial love. He's talking about love that never considers one's own needs, one's own desires. One that instead would, would submit completely to God for the sake of others, not just to prove something, but would give up his will in order that others might be saved. And this, concess, this, this message is consistent. All throughout Scripture, it's given in numerous ways and And it always, always reveals the commandment to love selflessly. And that that stands above all other fruits. So even though we have these other fruits, they are preliminary fruits. They are foundational fruits. They are cornerstone fruits that ultimately should lead us to love others. In the great commandment, Jesus in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40, you know this. But look at what he says. And he said with them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depends or hangs all of the law and the prophets. All of the other rules and regulations, all the other things that God would lead them to do Hang on these two laws. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Now we have, I believe, successfully as gathering place churches, we have successfully focused on the first commandment. And we've grown. Look, I've grown in my love of God. I'm continuing to grow in my love of God as he reveals himself to me. And you have too. In increased love for God results whenever we obey God and He reveals Himself to us. We've begun that. That's foundational. Today's message is called Second Commandments and First Fruits for a reason. It's because we need to completely engage our obedience to Christ. As a church, we have limited our obedience to Christ. You take responsibility for yourself. But I'm saying what I see is we've limited our obedience to Christ. And God wants us to engage fully, completely engage our obedience. That is, love the Lord with all of our hearts. So that our love for others will be greater than our love for ourselves. It's not something God's commanding you to do that uh, he just wants you to obey. It's something he's already put in you. It's there. All of you feel the desire, there might be some fear mixed in with it. But the desire is already there. If you've been abiding in Christ, then he has put the desire in your heart to do this. And it's time for us to give the Lord all of our hearts, to love him with all of our hearts, so that our love for others will be greater than our love for ourselves. This is the fruit of abiding in Christ. You know, Paul talks about this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, patience, peace, patience, kindness, and he gives a list. Most of which, all but, all but joy and peace are related to someone else. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He starts with the, the first two because until we get peace and the joy of God inside of us, we have nothing to give to anyone else. But that should be overwhelming us at this point so that all the other fruits are focused on someone else. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13 That the greatest of, he says, finally, there are these two things. There's uh, hope and love. And the greatest of these is what? Love. First fruit. In the Old Testament, when God commands us to give our first fruits, what he says is, what he means by that is that they would bring their best. Their best. Not the first that popped up but that they would bring their best to sacrifices to God. Listen, church, y'all with me? It's time for us to bring our first fruits to God. The most, the best fruit, the best fruit according to Paul and to God is the fruit of love. The greatest fruit is the fruit of love. And, and we have poured out our fruit to God and, he is, and God has been favor, favorable to us and he's shown us himself, but it's time. This is a time to shift. It's time for us to shift our lives into second gear. We've heard and practiced what's necessary for us to love God. and Now we need to adjust our lives as God's church to the second commandment and the first fruit, which is love. We're going to close this morning with what John gives us as the two requirements for shifting our lives into love. This doesn't happen for everybody. Matter of fact, uh, yesterday as I was sitting on the porch thinking about this message, a thought hit my mind, I'm sure it was from the Holy Spirit. So key in for just a second and and listen to to how sweet this is. Okay, that, nobody, don't take this sermon as a, as a harsh sermon, as a, as a oh, no, I've got to do something I don't want to do. That is not what we're saying, right? We're saying there's something in your heart that will bring more joy in your life. Because Jesus said, if you abide in me, you keep my commandments, I will uh, reveal myself to you, and also your joy will be made complete, and it is. And you won't know it until you make this shift into second gear and begin to think and let God use you and love through you and kill the old self. But here's what happened in both of these cases. When Jesus gave the great, the, this new commandment in chapter 13 of John, go look at it at some point. Before he gave that great commandment, to love selflessly, to love as I love, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this men will know you're my disciples. There was an experience that happened. Jesus called out the fact that someone in the room was going to betray him that night. And ultimately, Judas uh, whispers something to Jesus, and Jesus says, go and do what you need to do. And he leaves. And as Judas walks out of the room, the one who would not be a part of them, he was with them but not a part of them. He was there with Jesus the whole time, selected by Jesus for this purpose. He would not disrupt what Jesus is about to do with disciples that were ready to hear this word of selfless, self-sacrificing love. Jesus wouldn't share it in the presence of of Judas because it would cheapen what Jesus was about to say to his disciples. He wouldn't share it while Judas was there because what would all the other disciples think when Judas ultimately betrayed him? They would think, well, that was just a command for all of us that we need to try to do. No, he let Judas walk out first. And then he gives this commandment, which is why it's a new commandment in my mind. I want you to love like I love, like I'm about to love. I'm about to give my life and I'm going to sacrifice my life for you and that is the display of love that I want you to give to others. Selfless love. Love that sees others as better than yourself as as I can't sit with this and not give it to someone else. And Judas leaves the room. And then in 1 John, before John starts talking to us about loving, at the end of his passage where he talks about Uh, doing the things that we've heard and abiding in Christ and being thankful for the grace of God and salvation, he says this in verse 19. It won't be up there. I didn't give it to you. Therefore we know that this is the last hour. This is how we know. This is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they're not of us. So apparently in the minds of the disciples, they're thinking about other disciples that were not a part of them anymore. These disciples that were now scattered and and living lives and living a very hard life in obedience to Christ, he said, they weren't of us. Now, I don't know why God wants me to say this, but I know he wants me to say it. This is not the congregation that we have had in the past. There are many who have come and gone, right? And every time somebody's walked out the door, I know some of us have felt, all of us have felt a little bit of a burden about that. But also, Satan takes that in our minds and makes us think, what's wrong with what we're doing? Why are people coming and being with us, but they're not still with us? And I want to say, congregation, I believe this is the reason why this is the time that God wants to say to us, I'm ready to, for you to go into second gear. I'm ready for you to focus on loving selflessly because you guys can do this. Not in your own power, and you know that, but you are willing to. I know it's in your heart, and God, is going, God has you here because you're going to continue to walk with us in this. And we're going to get now to, to see to build the church on top of the cornerstone. We're finally going to get to the place where we have something to give, and God's going to open up doors for us to be able to do this. And we just need to shift our focus. We need to walk in what he does. We need to take our obedience to the next level and make it not about obedience for the things that we're going to get, but o- obedience for the things that we're going to get. And John closes out by saying, these, giving us the two requirements. Here's what they are. Look how incredible this is. Y'all ready? Say, oh yeah. I mean, you're going to love this. Because you're gatherers, All right. This is is who we are, and it is a requirement for us to be able to love the way we're about to start loving. In 1 John chapter 4, John takes the time to describe for us the qualifications for this kind of love and what it looks like. He says, beloved, by the way, if I've ever done your wedding ceremony, you should know these verses. It should be You should already be loving your spouse this way. Now let's just move it outside the house, okay? Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one's ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. There it is again. This is how they'll know we're his disciples. This is how they receive the love of God and see the reality of the love of God in a culture that's full of works-based mentality and has misrepresented God and us included. In a culture that has never seen the reality of God, God has given us the assignment and we are qualified to love this way. How are we qualified? He says, here it is. God is loved and the ones that love are born of God, and all of us are, and there are many people in this town that are born of God. That just means they have come to saving knowledge of Christ, received Christ into their lives. They are believers. But there's a second qualification. They know God. The ones that love in this way are born of God and knows God, and he makes the point to stop and focus on this idea of gnosko, knowledge, which we all know is knowledge by experience through obedience. That we know God by experience. We don't just know Him because we read about Him in the book. We know Him because we have been abiding in Him and He has been revealing Himself to us in our experience. And that's a requirement. And, and so in a very real way, you might be the only ones in this town that are ready to do this. That people that understand this truth and have walked in obedience to Christ and come to know Him by experience are the only ones that are qualified to love selflessly. The world doesn't love this way. The world doesn't know it can't love this way. Christ is the only one that can do this, and He has to do it in us, and He changes our hearts by our abiding in Him as a preparation for us to shift this thing into second gear and begin to walk in the first command, or second commandment and first fruit. And that is selfless love towards others. God's done that work in this church. He's done it in you. I know you're ready. You're prepared for this. We are prepared for this. We're going to go to another location. And I'm excited about another location, but we're not going to do anything different. We're just going to teach people how to abide in Christ. And we're going to show people how good he is. Because we are enamored with God. We're blown away by how he loves us in spite of our sins. How did he demonstrate his love toward us? Right here. He didn't, we didn't love him first. He loved us and gave his son for us and manifested who he was. We, we have realized that. And some of your best friends who, are, who have been in church all their lives are, are, have no understanding of this. Some of my best friends who, who live in this town and I talk to all the time have no understanding of the beauty of who God is. They don't understand his grace. They don't understand his character because they're not walking in obedience to him. So not everyone can love this way. It's a new commandment and it's not for everyone. And some have walked out and are gone. And in most cases, in most cases, this is not a blanket statement and I'm not talking about specific individuals, but in most cases, people have left us when they've left because They weren't getting something. And and let me just say clearly, okay, as, as John takes the time to say in this passage, I want to say it to you as well. You may not make it either. You may not make it. You have what it takes. I believe God has you here to hear this message. But if you're going to continue to walk in a life that's just absorbing things for yourself, just basking in the glory of God for you, And you're never going to make a shift into second gear. I hope that over the next few weeks, you're going to be uncomfortable. I hope that from now on in the Gathering Place Church, you're going to be uncomfortable enough that you're going to have to either leave or kick it into second gear. For your own glory, for your own joy, right? It's not a bad thing. It's a beautiful thing. But I, here's, here's what happens all the time. And it may happen now. If, if all of a sudden the people sitting next to you start bringing people closer to God and they have stories to tell in life group and everybody starts sharing these specific things that, are, that God is revealing about himself as they are obeying him to reach out and love others, you're going to feel real uncomfortable. And Satan will be whispering in your ear that they're crazy, this is not right, or whatever he'll whisper, or there's a better church down the road, or there's another experience that you can have that you won't have this kind of, have to face this kind of challenge. But I'm committed to this. I'm speaking it for our bodies. I know Will's committed to this. I know our elders are committed to this. It's not a word that, that we haven't waited to, that we haven't ever heard before. It's just time. It's time. Y'all with me? God's ready. It's significant to God. He, he ties it up there with loving him to love your neighbor as yourself. It's significant to God. He identifies it. As of all the fruits that there are, this is the first fruit. This is the one. This is the one I want you to bring to me. Don't bring me your other stuff anymore. It's time for you to bring the best to me. I've let, I've let you have it for all these years, but now it's time. And I believe this is a, this is a word for all of us who call, who call ourselves gathering place members. All locations. Until we get to this, it's, I mean, it's time. Let's just say it's time. Be done. Let's shift. Let's make the shift. Let's talk about it in life groups. Let's encourage one another. Let's build each other up for this. Let's, let's, let's have meetings uh, together with friends and let them see the love of God. Let them see how, how blown away you are by the person that you've discovered. Let's start getting it out there and ask God to bring people into our lives. So, how do we do that? Here's what we've done in our practice. We already know God's given us what to do. This is is nothing new for us. It's just time to engage in BC. (laughs) A is abiding. Remember our ABCs? Remember a few years ago when God simplified what we do to three things? There's a lot involved in that, but there's three things that we do abide in Christ, which is coming to know God by experience through obedience. Bless others, which is begin with prayer, listen to them, eat with them, serve them, share the gospel with them, share your testimony, share your knowledge of God with them. And then C is commit to community, which is your life group, which is this. It's us being together in community to encourage and build one another up. And so here's where where we're lacking. We've done our A and we've done well. It's time to do B.C., It's time. So you want to think about what does this look like? How are you going to flesh it out as you leave today and you come in contact with somebody? You're going to begin with prayer, listen to them, eat with them, serve them. You can do that today. That's not offensive to anybody. You start doing that with people because you love them because God's put that love in you, that desire to do something. And, And so if we just keep it subjective, nobody knows what to do. So here's what we need to do. Pray today that God will bring someone into your life. And then when he does... Engage with them in a way that you can hear about their lives. Ask questions. Learn to do that. Ask questions about their lives. Let them speak about where they are. Let them tell you what's going on with them and, and listen in such a way that you respond to them. And it's not about you getting your word out or telling about your life anymore. It's about listening and learning about somebody else's life. And then eat with them. That's a good way to listen. <laughs> you eat and let them talk. I, don't, I listen a lot when I eat. All right? But listen to them. Eat with them. Uh, you know, so have meals. Have them over to the house. Have them over to your life group. Whatever, whatever is comfortable for them, and as the Spirit leads, eat with them. Spend time with them. Serve them. Listen when you're listening. Listen for problems that you might be able to serve them. How you might be able to help them. I have two deacons that live on the mountain where I live. They gave me a piece of property to put my tiny house on. They serve. You can't stop them. <laughs> we need to all get a little of that, right? If we got it, we just need to let it out. Let that animal out. man, I can't tell you how that blesses me, that I can't you know, I, the other day the water went out, the water pump went out, I came home and there was, a tank, there was water in a bucket sitting inside my tub ready for me, because my deacon took care of me, because he loves. He loves outside. He thinks outside of himself. We need to practice that, and let's start doing it. Eat with them, serve them, find ways to serve them. And then ask God to open up opportunities for you to have discussions, communication about God and ask God to speak through you because you don't know what to say and it's okay, he does and he'll speak the right words. Our goal is not to convert people. Our goal is to bless people and what a blessing when they get to see what makes you the way you are. We need to start doing that and then we need to commit to community. Don't don't disengage there because I know everybody in here is in a life group. We need to commit to community. Here's committing to community. Here's loving selflessly in community. You're not going because of you. You're not going to miss your life group because that life group, you want to engage and invest and be there for them. Not, oh, I'm just too tired and I don't want to go because it's about me. I'm not going to miss because it's about them. And when you go, you're not going with an attitude like, I wish I wasn't here, but I'm here. You've you got to let the Holy Spirit do something in you so that when you get there, you have life to give to the people that are there. That's why it's called life groups. <laughs> give some life when you go. It's about them. It's not about you. And God will shift that in our hearts if we let Him do it. But it's going to take practice because we're used to going when we want and do, and getting what we want. Okay? Second gear. Second commandment, first fruit. We need to be selfless in our love for the brothers John said that he said they'll know this because they'll see how we love each other and that's what's going to attract people to us that's what happened in Acts remember they loved each other so much and so well they were selling their possessions and giving to each other as they had need they're meeting each other's homes and nobody went without food among the brothers meaning believers and people outside the believing community saw that and daily God was adding to their number those who were being saved y'all with me Let's do that. Let's do that. Let's love one another well. Let's let our, what we do in community be about others and not about us. And when people see that, they're going to think, wow, they take care of one another. I want to be in that community. And then we get an opportunity through that to introduce them to the good God that put that in our hearts. And then they become one of us. Not like those that walk away. Okay? Done. You know, God's made it clear for us. He has blessed us. We've remembered our journey, spiritual journey of getting to where we are, and now we have a challenge before us to, sh- to shift things into second gear. And so my prayer today is that everyone here will find the discipline necessary to focus your life and make the shift to second commandments and first fruits. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word that you're giving us as a congregation. Thank you that, Lord, you have done so much to build the foundation through the cornerstone of Christ. And Father, you've begun to build your church with the believers that are here. And Father, that you want to now grow this church and, and allow us the opportunity to go out and lead others to know you, which is, makes them a part of this body. So Father, I I just pray that you will first of all, move this message from our heads to our hearts. And then from our hearts, Father, to our actions. Your word says that you work in us to will and to act. And we need that. We need you. We're not going to do this on our own. We need you, Holy Spirit, to to show us and and to take those things that you're moving into our hearts and, and Give us people. Bring us people. God, who are ready to hear this message. They're everywhere. Just bring them to us. Open our eyes to see the reality of those people around us and and change our hearts so that we love them more than we love ourselves. We need supernatural transformation in order to make this shift. And we are depending on you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.